CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Good morning and welcome into the 24 7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst for Begna alongside 24 7 Sports Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins. And Drew, as we make our way through potential impact freshmen in 2023, conference by conference, today is the day for the Pac 12. And I got to be honest, I was pretty excited about this one. You start doing a little bit more research. This is a conference that's going to be highly competitive, but I'm excited. And Drew, as we always do, we start by projected order of finish. And Drew, unless you got anything, I'm kind of ready to start rolling with this one. Uh, I don't got much. (laughs) I I think (laughs) we should point out we're going with the Pac-12 because USC does play week zero. And it's kind of crazy that we are, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, two, three days away from some live action. I'm fired up. Is the first game Saturday or is the first game tomorrow? Saturday. Saturday. And then it's USC, San Jose State. Is that right? Yeah. You got Notre Dame Navy. Notre Dame uh, Navy in Dublin. FIU, Louisiana Tech. You know, that's going to be on at the Ivan's household. Hank Bachmeyer, right? Correct. Louisiana Tech. There we go. All right, Drew, let's start with USC. Projected order of finish here in the Pac-12, number one. Man, you could go a lot of different directions. Top 10 recruiting class in the country. Drew, you got the T-box here. Um, In the spirit of the freaks list, I got to go with my number one, or excuse me, number three freak from last year, Zachariah Branch. And Coop, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I tried to cheat here, and I went on USC's website, and I looked in the game notes because oftentimes schools will have a two deep the week of the game, and USC's media department did not provide a two deep. So I thought I, I thought I could get like a little nugget there. Um, but you read up on everything that has happened through preseason camp with the Trojans. And it sounds like Zachariah branch is going to be on the field in some type of way. So I, I I'm taking the easy one here and going with the explosive wide receiver, our number one ranked wideout for the 2023 cycle. Uh, out of Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman. I think he can make an impact in the return game. We saw that at the Under Armour All-American Bowl. Um, but USC, I feel like, is going to put up a, boi- a bunch of points. I think they're going to have big leads, and I think it'll be easy for Branch to work his way onto the field and then potentially into that starting lineup. It's a loaded receiver room. I mean, that's the other thing you got to take into consideration, right? Dorian Singer, Mario Williams, Brendan Rice. There are no shortage of weapons there on the perimeter. Drew, how, how long have you been doing the freaks list? I think this is year three. Year, year three. three. Is this the first? I, I'm assuming Zachariah Branch was or, or Zion Branch was on the freaks list. Is that right? Yeah, Zion was Branch. And for those not familiar with the Branch family, their grandfather, Cliff, in the 70s, won 
the NCAA championship in the 100-meter dash. I want to say he was below 10 seconds, and then he went on to play in the NFL. So solid bloodlines there. My question is, is that the first pair of brothers that you've had? Yes, but we've had twins. We've had twins as well. But yes, brothers in different years would be correct. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. So, Drew, reading up on the practice reports at USC, another name came up. Makai Leonard. Oh, I didn't even How about okay. that. I, th- I, I thought you were going a completely different direction here. So enlighten I am. me. I am going in a different direction. I'm, I'm not going with Makai Lemon, but Makai Lemon was a name that I want to throw out there because there's some buzz about him and he is a complete gamer. The guy that I'm I'm going with is Tackett Curtis. I think they need some help at linebacker. They went in the portal two years ago. They got Shane Lee. They got Mason Cobb out of Oklahoma State. They're going to be better there. But for where they are defensively, I think it's going to be very difficult to keep Tackett Curtis off the field. And if you don't know anything about him, top 247 linebacker from Manny, Louisiana, played 2A ball. And this was a guy who's a three-phase player, played almost like a safety hybrid backer role and then would play I, close to the line of scrimmage. He was kind of I like think, a joker. I think we originally listed him, graded him out as a safety, correct? I think so. If you go back to when he was like a sophomore, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of grew into that that linebacker spot. You talk about you talk about family genes in the state of Louisiana, rich football history there, the Curtis last name. He's going to be ready to play, man. Like you turn on the tape, he's a football player. I think he was one of the guys that if we had to have this conversation maybe in December, this was probably a guy that still would have been on this list, right? Because we just knew that his ability kind of lends to being on the field early, and then you combine that with the need at USC. I like this one. I, I, I thought there were no shortage of options offensively, but based on need and a guy that I think early returns have been super positive, I went with Tackett Curtis. Yeah, I, I read somewhere that he might start because of those injuries, right? Like he's been repping with the first team. I think if you throw on the, the game Saturday night, Tackett Curtis could be – out there in the first quarter uh one other defender i thought was notable and i don't know if if you've seen this video cooper braylon shelby top 247 edge rusher out of texas another guy that was on my freaks list last year 45 foot triple jumper at 235 pounds he has to be heavier than that because they have i don't know if it was a usc reporter or if it was the official account they uh clipped him walking into practice and oh my gosh like he is juiced up (laughs) rocked up in the upper half it's like dude we talk i mean when we did this podcast people that listen know we talk about like growth potential and like what a college strength program can do for someone braylon shelby needs to be one of the examples moving forward like oh my like they eating properly training properly you know sleeping properly properly recovering properly um he looks like a greek god and i think i think he could be in 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 the rotation as a situational pass rusher so i wanted to give him some love that's a great point he's one of those guys that like you know he's a freak and then you put him you you drop him in that environment and then pretty quickly you see what he's capable of physically so yeah another name to know there for sure all right, Drew, Washington projected to finish number two in the Pac-12 conference. I kind of, you know, this was a, a pretty interesting class. Um, 
I went with Devin Bryant out of St. John Bosco, the linebacker. I still think, I still think, even with Edifon, Ulifacio, Alfonso Tupatala, they got Carson Bruner. I think he's struggled to stay healthy at times. I think Devin Bryant's a guy that's going to give them some depth and give them some run. Greg Biggins, who covers the West Coast for us at 24-7 Sports, said Devin Bryant was the heart and soul of St. John, John Bosco's defense, which they thought that defense last year was one of the best that they had in school history. Um, so it says a lot about him. I think the phys, uh, physical upside and potential in terms of long-term trajectory, maybe that's in question a little bit, but in terms of lending to him being on the field, UW's got to get better defensively. I like you know, Devin Bryant. I thought it was kind of low-hanging fruit for me. Well, I almost called you, Cooper, because, I mean, you used to run the show there in Washington. You look at the two deep. Um, it's a lot of guys that you were involved in those recruitments. And we touched on this when we did the ACC one. Like, this is kind of, I don't know, like preseason homework for us. And you get a chance to see who's where, who's doing what. And my big takeaway coming out of, like, diving into Washington is, Dear God, they are experienced. I think they've returned 14 of 22 starters. Um, it was hard to kind of pick and choose a freshman that could potentially see the field here in 2023. I wanted to pick Austin Mack, the quarterback that I reclassified. But then it's like, okay, they have Michael Penix. And then the guy behind him, Dylan Morris, has already played. Like Austin Mack, I mean, if he gets on the field, Washington's going to be in, in serious, serious trouble. So I went with Trayshawn Lyons, wide receiver, number finished number 29 in the wide receiver rankings for us. Um, the odds of him playing more than four games I don't think are great. Remember, Washington has two really good receivers, Cooper, that uh, you helped scout and recruit back in your day, uh, both on the Blitnikoff watch list. But I think from what I read, and I think Dogman is the 24-7 Sports Washington affiliate, Treshawn has been getting some uh, has been getting some burn on the second team. So that would be I, impressive. I, I mean, because you got you got McMillan, you got a Dunze, and then you got Jalen Polk, who has been a revelation for them. And then on top of that, you got Giles Jackson as well, right? So they're four deep with guys that can do a lot of different things. If Treshawn Lyons is playing, that's a good sign. That's the way I would take it. But that's a high-flying offense, right? I mean, that would be the offense that you would expect a freshman, even if you're in the four or five spot, to kind of break through. Let me ask you this. Washington, high expectations, right? We just said it's a very veteran team. You get late in that season. You know, your goals are no longer obtainable. Do you start playing the youth knowing what you're losing? By youth, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm thinking the <laughs> translation of that means Austin Mack. No, no I know. I'm just saying, like Treshawn Lines. You know, these guys are. We're talking those two receivers, maybe day two, day one picks, and and maybe I'm looking more towards like a potential bowl game, which have turned into exhibitions. Like I don't know. I I think Treshawn Lions, if there is a route to the playing more playing time, depending on how the season goes for Washington. I agree. I think when it comes to the bowl game specifically, I think that process kind of works itself out. You know, if you got a, a Dunze or a McMillan who think they're going to be a day one or early day two draft pick and even a Penix, right? 
they they built a strong culture there under Kalen DeBoer. So, well, his comments were uh, very interesting when you read like the practice reports. He's like very, uh, I don't know, standoffish or like a football coach for sure. He doesn't let out much. Like they act like someone asked him about the receivers, and he's like, they haven't done anything yet. And, and talking towards the the freshman wide receivers, so he's not he's not a sunshine pumper in any way. He was one of my favorite interviews we had out of all the guests that we had. I think over the spring, you know, just he he was kind of refreshing. Like, I mean, you talk about a guy who's just kind of had this meteoric rise, and what is he ninety and eleven as a head coach? He's just a ball coach, man. We had a couple ball coaches on Willie Fritz being another one, like. I don't get the impression when you talk to Kalen DeBoer that like he's trying to be anything that he's not totally yeah. comfortable in his own skin. Why wouldn't you be when you've won that many games? All right. Devin Bryant and Trayshawn Lyons for Washington drew Utah. I love Utah. I love everything about Utah. I love the uptick in the, in the recruiting department in terms of what they've been able to do there in terms of talent acquisition over the last couple of years, this one was relatively easy for me. I went Spencer Fano. Obviously there's a lot of buzz. It sounds like it's going to be really difficult to kind of keep him out of the top five of that offensive line unit, which is an experienced unit coming back. But Drew, I think you and I and the rest of the team here, we saw him in San Antonio. The one thing that became very clear that maybe we saw as a negative going into that week was kind of the size and the growth potential. He's a guy to me that can play all five positions on the offensive line. And I think that's incredibly invaluable. And he, he's smart. He's technically, revi- technically refined. Excuse me. And you talk about a guy that just plays with such good balance and body control. He's always in control. From the feet up, you watch him and you're like, all right, this is a guy who just, he understands the game, understands leverage, understands positioning. I love this kid. I think, you know, this is a huge win for Utah, but I I think it's going to be incredibly difficult, not because of what we think about the player, but based on the feedback that we've heard already in fall camp, it was an easy one for me. I'm glad you picked him because I didn't even write him down. I don't know if he's in that same like Peter Woods category, um, but Utah finished number twenty in the rankings. That was their highest ranked recruiting class ever after back to back Rose Bowl appearances. I think there was a ton of options here, and let's not forget Utah opens up next Thursday. Florida's coming to town. All eyes are going to be on that game. I I can't I can't wait. Um, so there was there were a few options. I went with. Smith Snowden, cornerback, and I'll explain why. Clark Phillips off to the NFL. Um, and it sounds like Smith Snowden is going to have a chance to play in the nickel. He finished as the number 21 cornerback for us. He's in a battle from, from what you read out on, on Ute Zone. This guy... I mean, we, maybe we should have had him higher in the rankings. Utah 6A state champ in the 100-meter dash went 10-5-9. He was the Utah Gatorade player of the year. Six interceptions, eight pass breakups. He also looked really good, uh, according to our guys that were at the Polynesian Bowl. I think he had a pick six during practices. So Smith Snowden is one um, that I wrote down. And then Mikey Matthews, 
slot receiver. We moved him up to a, a very high, high three-star grade after watching him at the Under Armour All-American Bowl practices. I thought he was one of the best route runners there um, behind Jonte Cook, who's, who's headed to Texas or is going to play at Texas. He had a really good week, and I, I think he's in the rotation for the slot uh, receiver position there. So Utah, I mean, it seems like four, maybe three, four freshmen are going to play for them, and that's that's just a little bit different than how it's been in the past there under Kyle Whittingham. But that's what happens when you get these blue chip difference makers, right? You get them into the program and boom, like these guys are ready to go. I love what you talked about. Smith, uh, Snowden, Clark Phillips was like the first name that came up immediately. And I can tell you this, when Clark Phillips was at La Habra and we were at Washington, he was such an easy guy to just overthink. Right. Same thing in the NFL as well. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was I, I was wondering, do you think day four pick or fourth round pick day three? Well, it goes back to the ceilings and floors conversation. It's like when you get into day three and you know that, all right, maybe I'm dealing with a, a sub five, nine nickel. But I mean, Clark Phillips, from the moment he stepped on campus in Salt Lake, was a guy. He was like that in high school. And he's got a proven track record and I think left a little bit to be desired in terms of testing at the NFL combine. But outside of that, he's got a lot of production to overcompensate. I'm glad, Drew. I mean, looking back on it, that we got Snowden inside the top 247. And then they also got CJ Blocker, top 247 corner. I think he's made some noise in, in camp as well. But I, I went with uh, Smith Snowden there. But you think about it, what is that, four or five names? All those yeah. guys are legit. T type You're of player listening. that <laughs> – go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to do a shameless plug. Go ahead. Just just saying, it's the type of player that Utah hasn't been getting in the past. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast with Cooper Patagna and Andrew Ivins. Make sure to subscribe to the show. Wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple included. And if you got a question, make sure – to leave a review that is the spot to do it guys we appreciate you listening as always all right drew oregon ducks man i was excited about this recruiting class which uh which way did you go here young concrete me too <laughs> for, for one primary reason i think he could play on both sides of the ball are you under that impression as well I think so. I, I feel like since he's been in Eugene and his name has come up, you've kind of been the one that's been intrigued about, like, all right, he might situationally get some touches offensively. Well, and they you know what? Like, it's not surprising. You go back and you watch him. I mean, he is supernatural at the tight end position. That is not something that is like, I mean, it's pretty second nature to him. The other the other side of it is they brought in Jordan Birch from South Carolina and needs some help off the edge. He's got some natural things to him physically, and then from a size standpoint and athleticism standpoint, you have to play those guys early, especially in the pack. They, they can make a difference. So 
yeah, the more you think about him and then what he offers and yeah, is it going to take him some time to figure it out? Yes. But is him at 70, 80% of what he's going to be still good enough to be on the field? hundred percent. Thought it was notable. Dan Lanning at some point, the Oregon media assembled early on in training camp asked him, you know, how can a freshman play? And he said, uh, if you're good enough, you're old enough. I, I thought that was notable. But then you look back to Oregon's 2022 recruiting class, only five of those guys burned their red shirt, meaning they appeared in more than four games. And only two of that five eclipsed the 100 snap mark. So Mateo Ugalele, how do you say it? Ugalele. Ugalele. <laughs> That's all right. Just call him Young Concrete. Young Concrete. I'm dealing with uh, some sinuses, so that that's going to be a little uh, it's going to be a little <laughs> difficult. Um, but Tosh, the DC, or is he the D line coach? Or is Tosh Lupoy. Is DC defense coordinator? He brought up exactly what you talked about with St. John Bosco, and he thinks that Young Concrete is so far along because of of what he experienced, the coaching he got the training there at, at Bosco. Um, and it seems like they're using him more on the defensive side of the ball as a situational kind of pass rusher. Uh, maybe, you know, he's a guy that gets in on third down, but they, they have a ton of depth issues at tight end. And that's why I think he could, he could see some run there. And, and he did play tight end in that, uh, in the spring game for them. Cooper, how about Jurion Dickey? Five star for us. Do you know what number he's wearing this season for Oregon? Oh yeah, number ninety nine. My jersey's in the mail. <laughs> is that like an NIL? Dude. Is that like an NIL play or what? I think he's just a different cat. Maybe. I mean, if it is, it's smart. Kudos to him. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I can't wait to see him out there just rocking number ninety nine and just you know. Can you even be an eligible pass catcher, or do they have to announce <laughs> him every play? <laughs> I think in college it doesn't matter. I think the NFL is the only one. No, they're gonna the guy's gonna have to buzz in. 99 is an eligible receiver <laughs> every single snap. No, I don't think that's it. Well, someone said someone said he couldn't get the number 13, so he decided on 99. I'm like, what? Yeah, it makes sense. It's logical. It's the the next next logical option there. No, I love Jerry on Dickey. That's another guy that I any feedback on him? I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything either. Like there was some some stories highlighting him before camp started, and then I haven't seen. I didn't. I couldn't find his name anywhere after that. The one name I I, I did want to also bring up: Cole Martin. Just had this conversation about Clark Phillips. Cole Martin, I guess, is pushing for that starting gig in the nickel. For those not familiar, I think he was Mr. Irrelevant for us in the top 247, like he finished number 247. His dad is on staff there, um, undersized corner, but he is he's aggressive um, and not surprised to see that, you know, he's kind of making an impact early on and has a chance to avoid a red shirt. He's a football player, you know, like. You can go back and forth on the NFL upside and the Sunday potential, but he's going to be a hell of a player on Saturdays, right? I'm glad he made it in. 
I was getting ready to look up the ranking and I was expecting to see him on the outside. If that's your number 247 player in the rankings, then you got a good group. We should start All like right, a Mr. Irrelevant week. Yeah, no, number, I like that. For number like 247. Maybe, maybe we got to come up with our own name. Mr. 247. There you go. Well, we need those All guys right. to hit. They need they need to hit. So if he hits, he'll be number one at, at, at the start mm-hmm. of this. Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant, wasn't he? Yeah. All right, Drew. Oregon State. Oof. I struggled. I'm planting my flag. I went with Aiden Childs, even despite the news of DJU getting the uh, the nod yesterday. Surprised it took that long, honestly. I'm going with Aiden Childs because I think he's going to play. All right. And Explain why. Because I think he's a lot better athlete than I gave him credit for. Seeing him in San Antonio really opened my eyes to, like, this is a guy that I think Jonathan Smith can use situationally. Like, I just don't think it's like, hey, we're going to try to get this guy some run, spot spot reps, whatever it is. I mean, I think I think this is a guy that, if they're smart, they're going to try to get on the field early, and I think they can do that. He's a, he's a good athlete. The other thing is, is, like, I think he can push DJ. I really do. Best case scenario, that doesn't happen, but maybe the other best case scenario is that it does. I think they I think they got a bubbling star here with this kid. And he and looked I, good. I, he looked good in the spring game, correct? Correct. I like everything about this guy. I just I just want to any opportunity I got the the chance to talk about him, I'm I'm gonna do it. Plant the flag, man. <laughs> Aiden Childs Hive, Cooper Patagna. No doubt. the charge. I'm on board. I'll be your co-conductor of that train. Um, all right. Mine's off the board a little bit. Oregon State didn't have the best of recruiting classes. I'm going cornerback, Jermod McCoy. And I got to give Gabe Brooks our guy in Texas on the on the 24-7 sports national recruiting team, a, a ton of credit here. McCoy, high three-star grade for us, uh, finished as the 91st corner. Oregon State flipped him late from Tulane. This is a kid that won a pair of gold medals at the Texas 5A state track meet. He, won, he took first in the long jump, took first in the triple jump. Look at the profile. Two-way snaps, over 700 yards receiving, two interceptions on defense, returned a kickoff for a touchdown, averaged 18 yards a punt return. I mean, we are just checking box after box after box off. Jonathan Smith has highlighted him as a guy that's going to play. He's going to travel. And what's also notable about McCoy, you'll like this, Cooper, a late flip from Tulane. That's where Oregon got him from. We always talk about Willie Fritz and – their evaluation process, and um, every year they get rated. Gabe Akis, who's at Illinois, was on Bruce Feldman's Freaks list. He's going to be a name to know in the Big Ten, one-time Tulane commit. C.J. Donaldson, starting running back at West Virginia, one-time Tulane commit. And now you can drop Jermod McCoy into uh, that same bucket. Northwestern, call him up. 
You know who my guy is for that job, man. I mean, the, I tell you what, it was somebody yesterday, Drew. I think it was I was looking at your top performers article. It was the um, the corner from Mill Creek, who I think is committed to Georgia Tech. Trajan Greco. And who I like a lot. You and I have not talked about that. I turned on the tape. I was like, okay. Um, Big time basketball tool, kid. Tulane early offer for it for him and those things travel, you know, like you, you talk about a, a defense travels right late in the season for a coach, regardless of what level it is. If you're proven that you can do that, I'll kick your coverage at a place like Tulane. To me, like that fit at a place like Northwestern makes a lot of sense, but we're not here to talk about Northwestern. Drew, a couple other names on Oregon State. Montrell Hatton from Texas, that name came up. Kelsey Howard, top two four, was, seven defensive lineman. I was wondering about it. So what what's the latest there? And I'll never forget he uh he was a CBS Sports HQ commitment, I think on July 4th. I was watching that one from from my pool. And I was like, what is this guy doing? He's like wearing sunglasses. It was uh it was quite the commitment. Not Charles Lester status, but it was uh it was right. notable. He had um I was looking at his profile. He had sunglasses on his profile too, which makes me just even more convicted on the player. I think um, I think the feedback on him's been positive from what I read, um, and they expect him to be on the field this year. I would expect that too. He's a really good player. I really liked him. It was a heck of a gift for Oregon State. All right, Drew. Now we're in the middle of the pack. UCLA. I went quarterback again. This one seems pretty easy, right? I love Ethan Garbers. We had Garbers at Washington. Transferred, sat behind DTR. You can't overlook him. He's like, I love his competitiveness, his temperament, the way he plays the game. He's smart. I think Dante more special. I have no idea how you keep him off the field in it. Might not be until game three or game four, but I think once they, it's like the Spencer Radler, Caleb Williams deal. Remember that? It's like once you see Caleb Williams on the field, it's like, okay, that's it. Seeing hey, all Club we need Nick. to see. Right. So to me, that's Dante Moore. I echo, I wrote down Dante Moore as well. I mean, they are, yeah, I mean, there's going to be some overlap, but I don't want to, I don't want the graphic to go out and people be like, wait, how did you not pick Dante Moore? I mean, he was on Chris Hummer's preseason freshman All-American list. And how many quarterbacks are in this competition right now? There's like four guys, correct? There's three, right? There's the uh, transfer from Kent State. Colin Sheely. Like, what What was he thinking? He could be starting anywhere. Like, name a school he could be starting at At them. And, and he goes to be behind Ethan Garbers and, and Dante Moore. UCLA opens up against Coastal Carolina. I think that is a uh, a sneaky game, but I, I agree with you. I mean, so much exposure to Dante Moore over the years, whether it be seven-on-seven seven tournaments. He's just different in terms of how he carries himself. Like, this will sound, you know, some people will take it the wrong way, but he played for Cam Newton's seven-on-seven seven team at the OT seven championship. And I think that's because he wanted to kind of like learn a little bit from, from cam and, and see his perspective. And then 
I'll never forget showing up to the All American Bowl and and just talking to him in between reps. Like he's got it, and uh, I, I agree absolutely. Like, how does he not play here in 2023? We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24/7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Quick reminder, guys, you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple included. All right, Drew, halfway through the Pac-12, Wazoo, Washington State, now part of the Pac-4. I went Brandon Hills here out of Colorado, receiver, 10-6 in the 100 meter. They seem like they got a need. These receivers play early at Wazoo. One thing I learned being at Washington, I mean, you gotta you gotta keep tabs on these guys. So I will admit the depth of knowledge here in terms of Washington State and their 2023 class for me, super vague. Same. But in terms of but in terms of what I read, Brandon Hills is a guy to keep an eye out for. Well, you try to, you know, dig into what's going on at Washington State, and it's just all conference realignment talk which i get um he was he was a guy i had initially circled and then i went with ansel denba defensive lineman out of texas i'll admit do not know much about this kid start reading i'm like all right i'm on board (laughs) added 30 pounds since he arrived this spring one of the coaches there said he's he's got a six-pack even though he's tipping the scales at that that's a bit of an eye opener for me. Uh, 158.6 in the discus. He's going to travel. He's going to be part of the rotation there in the middle. Um, and he comes from a strong program there in the Lone Star State. Um, Adello, who won a state title last year. Haas Henny's the quarterback there. So uh, Ansel Denba is my pick for the Cougs. Is that Alito? Alito. Alito, Texas. Yeah, I gotcha. typo on my, on my notes here. No, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Adelo. It's Adelo. Yeah, Alito. All right, Drew. I feel like Arizona is one of those because I know we know the same people around that program. There might be a little overlap. Maybe not. Arizona. I went with the safety Genesis, Genesis Smith. Six to 190 pounds. You turn on the tape, man. I really like this kid. I think he might grow into a weak side linebacker. Strong safety type can match up in coverage with bigger possession receivers and tight ends. This is a hell of a get for Arizona. I think they, I think they feel pretty good about him, and it's going to be a guy that's going to get some run early and then could potentially work his way into a starter role later in the season. 
Yeah, I also had Genesis Smith here, number 53 safety. Uh, he was one of two names I got back when I asked around. The other was wide receiver Malachi Riley, who I guess they believe is going to be a dude. Um, but there's a log jam at that receiver position. T-Mac obviously is there on campus. And then you got Jacob Cohen, the big time transfer out of UTEP, who put up put up some numbers in, in 2022. Genesis Smith to me, and we've talked a lot about Arizona on this podcast, what Jed Fish is doing. I think he represents kind of like what the Wildcats are going to find success doing. They were his first Power 5 offer, uh, Arizona was for Genesis Smith. And um, it sounds like a wide open competition at safety. And, and by the end of the year, they expect him to be you know, on the field with the starters. So if they can recruit locally and get in early with those guys, I mean, not a lot of schools are are mining Arizona. So if you can keep the, the homegrown talent home and then beat the big dogs for your Elijah rushing, your DeMond Williams, like I think they're set up for a ton of success in that New look, Big 12. I know we're talking Pac-12 here, but um, that was kind of my takeaway when I I dug into the profile on Genesis. I'm excited about Arizona transitioning to Big 12. I think they – it's almost like it's a, it's a new opportunity for them to rebrand that Arizona program, and I think Jed Fish is the perfect guy to do it. I don't think I would have been saying that two years ago. I mean, I was highly, highly skeptical of that hire, and he is completely – done all the right things and pushed all the right buttons. So credit to him. Um, Drew, California, another one, same boat as Wazoo. Just, I mean, I was struggling to get anything here. So I went with, I kind of used some basic logic and said, all right, what positions lend to getting on the field early for freshmen? I, I went with Isaiah Hunter. I kind of dug into him a little bit, the receiver out of California, 11-1 in the 100-meter, two-way snaps. Have some ability in the return game. I kind of like what what Cal's got at in the receiver room. I mean, you look at it, you got Jeremiah Hunter, who I really like coming out. His teammates with, uh, I might be wrong there. I thought he was teammates with Xavier Worthy. I could be wrong. Um, and then you got Taj Davis, who we recruited at Washington, signed with Washington. And then we talked about that receiver room up there in Seattle. So he's a transfer in, and then a couple other guys too. Um, but this was almost kind of like, all right, what makes the most sense here? Popped on the tape, really liked it. Um, so calculated decision, but that's that's where I landed. All right, can I plant my flag here? I'm worried <laughs> about Cal. Means. I'm worried about Cal, man. Just reading, going through different things. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 pretty concerned about about Cal. Fifty two newcomers for preseason camp. Fifty two. Now a lot of them are are transfers, junior college guys. There's not a lot of freshmen. Um, they still haven't picked a starting quarterback, and I think it's a bit of a mess. Like Sam Jackson, the TCU transfers there. Ben Finley, who came from NC State. Um, and then you got Francisco Mendoza, who is from my neck of the woods, 
went to Miami Columbus High School. They flipped him from Yale. So the quarterback seems like, whoa, what's going on here? And then you start going down the roster, and it just feels like a catch-all for all these former big-time recruits that are in the portal. Brian Hightower, who started off his career at Miami, was at Illinois. When I saw he was at Cal, I had to do a double-take. David Reese, edge rusher, who was at Florida, I was like, he's at Cal. Raymond Woody, uh, his son, is, is going like, to start in the secondary. It's kind of like, whoa, there's like a lot of different pieces with a lot, you know, not not really with ties to California. Um, with that being said, last year they had one of the best true freshmen at all of college football, Jaden Ott. Um, so they they'll play the young guys if they're ready. I went with Javion Thomas, running back, finished number fifty six in the running back rankings for us. Ran for twenty five hundred yards, thirty touchdowns. Local kid. Um, and Cal's got a bunch of running backs, but I guess this guy, according to Jackson Moore from 24-7 Sports, who does an excellent job covering Cal, Stanford, all those schools, he's looked the part in a few scrimmages. So, you know, maybe he gets into the rotation, but this was one of the hardest ones on the list. And, dude, Cal's first two games, oof, at North Texas, and then Auburn comes to town week two. Like, Whoa. What a culture shock experience for any Auburn fan that's going to travel to Berkeley. It's going to be wild. My buddy is like diehard Auburn fan. And I'm like, are you going? And he's like, I, I want to. But he's like, I just, I don't know what the vibe is going to be like. I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good point. <laughs> the vibe's going to be more polar opposite than where your buddy is currently standing than if he went to a Cal game. I think I told this story before. We played at Cal. And it was kind of a big game for us. And we, we lost. And we get off the bus. And there's a tailgate set up. And they're just playing chess. I'm like, what is this? Just like, I'm like, you know, you want to feel the gravity? Like, I was like, all right, man, this is different. Pac-12 football, baby. Um, all right, Drew, Arizona State. Layup. Layup. Jaden Is it, shot. though? For me, it was. I, I mean, yeah. you know, I think it was like a week or two ago that, you know, our Arizona State site kind of started dropping breadcrumbs that, like, all right, Jaden Rashad is in position here, right? And it seems like they were just kind of pushing that narrative a little bit more and more. And then yesterday we finally got the news that Jaden Rashad is going to be the starter. Against Southern Utah, is that right? Yeah, next Thursday night. Let's go, baby. And here's the thing about Rashada, right? He's what? He's already 19 years old? Correct. He had the highest, uh, was it INT ratio last year? Correct. Of all the top two, four, seven quarterbacks. I love for I, I love this for Arizona State, and I love this for Jaden Rashada. Get on the field get the reps. Nobody expects anything from you this year. Rip the bandaid off. Let's go. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Like, do you think this is Jaden Rashad is who I put down as well? Cause he's, it's clear he's going to play, but do you think he's ready or are they, are they, are they forcing him a little bit here? 
uh, he, he might not be ready, you know, but I also think it works to their advantage to try to get him on the field and get him as much experience as possible. I think Kenny Dillingham is building for the future there. And, you know, this is the way that I was, it's interesting when, if you were to ask Kenny Dillingham this question versus if you were to ask maybe somebody who is helping put that roster together from a personnel perspective, to me, it's like, listen, if I'm not in love with Drew Pine, I don't think we can contend. I I, I know what Drew Pine is, right? And there is, there is an element of like, you got to balance it, right? You want your, you want your team to feel like you are putting your best foot forward, trying to win games week in and week out. There's no question with the physical talent when it comes to Jaden Rashada. To me, it's about gaining that experience, getting these reps, being smarter with the football. The only way that he's going to be able to do that is by playing. So I'm a big advocate for what they're doing here. And, you know, Kenny Dillingham is the job that he did with Bo Nix last year. Like, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, especially when it comes to quarterbacks and and say, hey, this is a guy. Let's let's roll it out there. Let's take our let's take our lumps year one. But we're going to be better for it. And I think that's what they got to do. They got to eat the frog, take it on the chin. And then just kind of ride this roller coaster for year one. And who knows? Maybe it works out better than they would have expected. The only reason I asked, like, is he ready? Because I think in the most recent scrimmage, he was like eight of 20. Like, that doesn't seem to be uh, the number you're looking for. Um, but I get it. I get it. And they play Oklahoma State week two as well. And Drew Pine, I think you need to also note dealing with a hamstring injury. I think that made the decision to go with Jaden Rashada that much easier. Did you go Rashada? Yeah, I went Jaden Rashada. There you go. All right, Drew, two more. Colorado and Stanford. Let's start with Colorado. I Ooh. think I got a hunch what you're going to do here. Maybe not. Which way did you go? I went with Del- Dylan Edwards. But you can go in a hundred different directions here. So <laughs> where did you go? For graphic purposes, I'm going to make a change, and I'm going to say I went with Cormani McLean, but I went with Dylan Edwards. But let's just say Cormani McLean is one or, one or the other for me. I think Cormani's going to play early, especially with Travis Hunter predominantly playing on the offensive side of the football. Um, you know, in the case of Dylan Edwards, I mean, you're talking like not that the accolades really are something that I'm reading into, but contextually, Gatorade Player of the Year in Kansas, talk about a guy – verified athleticism even for being an undersized back i just love everything he does i think you can obviously play him out of the backfield i like his ability as a receiver i think he's super dynamic super efficient with the football i thought he was the best returner hands down last cycle and to me that's where you're going to make your impact as a freshman i think this is a guy they got they got to manufacture touches for I, i i would want him touching the ball five times a game if I was Sean Lewis. Just find a way to get him the ball and get him in space. And I think that's going to happen, right? Prime said he's a dog. He wants all the smoke, electrifying playmaker. We plan on having him return kicks, getting him the ball as much as possible. Um, 
he's listed at five nine on Colorado's site. Only number I could find for us that we had in a database was five eight. Calling it now. He's going to remind people of Deuce Vaughn, who is making a ton of noise with the Dallas Cowboys in in preseason, and he's listed at five five. Um, I, I think there's just no way Dylan Edwards doesn't get onto the field. I think you're going to see it week one against Nebraska, right? That's who that's who they play. Uh, I think I even read somewhere that Dylan Edwards, who's from Kansas, his entire family is going to be at the game. I mean, if you're sending your family there, you must be expecting to get the ball. I totally forgot Dylan Edwards and Nicholas Harbor raced at the Under Armour All-America game, and Edwards just barely edged Harbor. And according to the UA guys, Edwards was 4-4-1, Harbor was 4-4-2. Um, so he's an easy pick for me. Cormani McLean's interesting. I think just having had so much exposure to him, he's got all the physical tools, everything you want in a, a new-age cornerback. Um, I just wonder, you know, how he's going to respond to adversity in games. And I'd be saying that if he went to any other school in the country, you know, he's going to get beat. That's going to happen. I mean, no corner these days is, is shutting down someone for the entire game. I mean, you don't believe me, put, you know, search Jalen Ramsey getting beat on YouTube. You're going to find, you know, one of the best corners in the game, get getting bombed play after play. You know, how does Cormani respond as a as a young freshman there? So that's a good one. And then I also wanted to highlight Taj McCoy, just doing some reading. Edge rusher out of Oklahoma. Charles, Charles Kelly, the DC there, thinks that he's he's gonna play. He plays fast, he plays hard. That's what Kelly said. I don't know. I, I would think all of Colorado's freshmen are gonna play, right? Like I would think so. I, I think if, we're on it. I like what you said about Cormani McLean because I think that's true. Um, but I also think that he's in the right environment to succeed. And what I mean by that is, like, I love the fact that he gets to play for Deion Sanders, like a guy that has experienced it at the highest level, the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows. And you talk about a guy that can inspire confidence in a young man like Cormani McLean. I think Cormani is going to have to play early. I don't think Colorado has a choice. Um, and there is no question when it comes to Cormani McLean's physical toolkit. But, Drew, I, I agree. Like, I want to see the killer in Cormani McLean, really what it comes down to. And there's no better person to bring that out of him, if it's in him, than Deion Sanders. But – Two good options. I mean, if you're a Colorado fan. I think Dylan Edwards, Dylan Edwards, dynamic dude. Cormani McLean is going to have to play early. Um, Drew Stanford, last one. Patag, Patag, Patag. Producer Lance texted me. They host TCU. No, they travel to TCU week one. Nebraska comes to town week two. Dylan Edwards' family is going to be at the TCU game. Got my Got my games mixed up. We want to be a disciplined podcast. We were talking about this yesterday, maybe. But tag flags is what we'll call them. And we'll try not to be a penalized pod. So we got to clean it up is what it is. I think we had a couple of tag flags yesterday, maybe three. Yeah. Today, only one. Only one. One or two. We'll see. Um, Drew, Stanford. 
I went corner here. I went with Jayshon Frosto Ramos. That that might be another Patak flag. I'm going to have to go back and check the pronunciation there. But from St. John Bosco, listed as a corner. Third Bosco yeah. kid on the list. There you go. Stanford had some departures there at that position. You turn on the tape, I'm like, man, this guy's like strong safety type nickel, plays close to the line of scrimmage. I was like, where the hell was this kid last cycle? I really like this cat, man. You talk about a really good football player, high floor all over the place. I think he's going to contribute on special teams. That's kind of the, what you see from a play temperament standpoint. I don't see corner immediately. I think I, I kind of see more safety long term, but they expect him to get on the field early. He's one of the highest rated commits um, outside of Tiger Bachmeyer. But like this kid a lot. Well, I picked Tiger Bachmeyer, um, who is running with the ones. Another guy that was on Chris Hummer's preseason freshman All American list, brother of Hank Bachmeyer, who is at Louisiana Tech, as you as you noted. And then he's got a third brother, Bear Bachmeyer, who is a quarterback in the 2025 cycle. Um, just seems like easy, kind of throw me the alley oop. I'll finish it. You know, he's going to play. Like you said, highest ranked prospect for them. It was interesting just looking at Stanford and and kind of they're too deep as well. Um, you know, who's going to start at quarterback there? Ashton Daniels is in the mix, former former kid from Buford. Um, EJ Smith at running back. I I, I don't know. I, I'm I was surprised Stanford was picked last in the in the in the final year of the Pac-12. I think they can do some things. I, I think Troy Taylor is a really good coach coming over from Sacramento State. This might be a year where they can maybe maybe sneak up on some people. So we'll see what happens with them. Um, are, we, are we buying stock in the tree? I am long term. Maybe not year one. You know. What if I, what if I told you their win total over under is two and a half? I would have to look at the schedule, but I feel pretty confident that I bet the – is that the win total? Yeah. Then let me Google the nearest casino around here that I can bet on. I'm next smashing Friday, that, dude. Next next Friday, or maybe it's Thursday night. You know, it's always, it's always weird when schools play at Hawaii. They're at we Hawaii. We can find three dubs on the schedule. Let's go through the schedule real quick. Okay. At Hawaii. Is that a win? Dub. At mm -hmm. USC. Loss. Sacramento State. Home. Dub. Arizona. Home. Mm, toss awesome. up, but I'll take Arizona. Oregon at home. Uh, Oregon. At Colorado on a Friday night. Friday the 13th. Toss, toss up. UCLA at home. I don't like I don't hate I don't feel like they're like a double digit underdog in any of these games, you know. Washington at home, at Washington State, at Oregon State, Cal, Notre Dame. I think there are enough toss-ups yeah, on there. I think you're looking at four, four to five wins there. I think their ceiling's probably five and seven. Well, you heard it. Let's go, to baby. Toss it out, get gambling advice, right? <laughs> Drew, is there one name on this list that you're like, 
all right, I can't, I, I'm, I'm like doing more research that you're like, all right, I'm even more excited about this guy I am today than I was maybe a week, two, a couple months ago. I think like Dylan Edwards, you know, I think all eyes, I, I, I anticipate Colorado is going to be shoved down everyone's throat this season. Um, and a guy that was in the top two, four, seven, you know, just excited to see him. I think what is unique and we've done this after each one of these is three quarterbacks were selected, Dante Moore, Jaden Rashada, Aiden Childs, right? Well, there's, I think, I think in the SEC we had no quarterbacks and in the ACC we had one quarterback. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. And, you know, you look at it, it's like Rashada circumstantial to an extent. Right. Dante Moore, we don't know, but we feel pretty good about is going to play his fair share during the season. And Aiden Childs is kind of the wild card. But I just I love his ability. I think, like I said, I think he's going to be hard to hard to keep off the field. Drew, for me, Spencer Fano, you go back, you look at Spencer Fano. There was kind of a a discrepancy in terms of the rankings. Um, And he was a really. I don't want to say difficult evaluation, but there was a lot of conversation that surrounded Spencer Fano throughout the year. And I got to give a lot of credit to like Blair and Gulo and, and Biggie and Huff who had seen him in person and were like, you don't really appreciate the type of player he is until you see him live. And I think you and I felt that way. I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but after seeing him in San Antonio, San Antonio, you see him go elite on elite more than held his ground. I thought he was one of the better offensive linemen finished top 50 for us. It makes you, I don't know how you feel, but it makes you feel, even regardless of these guys stepping on the field yet, it makes you feel like, okay, we're in the, we're heading in the right direction here with a guy like that. If he's going to be able to crack the lineup for Utah early with a really experienced offensive line. I just remember him playing cornhole at the All-American Bowl in the lobby. I'm like, whoa, that's Spencer Fano. And you were talking about like the balance and the coordination. Like he is, he's how you want him to look in terms of like this guy's coordinated <laughs> and I know he's Broad playing chest. Cor- he's like playing cornhole, but I, like that was like my immediate takeaway. I'm like, okay, like I will invest in this athlete. Drew, you always got the background on these guys, dude. Crazy stories. Who's the, uh, who's our guy just piping the ball 280, maybe even 300 yards plus. I was trying to, I was trying to, Think of that. It was an offensive um, lineman, right? Yeah, it was a Notre, Notre Dame kid. Mm. Devin Brown, yeah. when he when he was at the All-American Bowl, he was ripping drives in the simulator. Love that. Love that. Big golf guys over here. By the way, FedEx Championship this weekend. Drew, who we got? I have no idea. No idea. All right. I'll say for both of us. I'm going to go with our guy, Victor Hoblin. What a what a what a surprise pick there by me, but I love that dude. He is dialed right now. One last week, BMW Championship. Boys are playing a little bit conservative. Drew, any final thoughts? You ready to get out of here? Ready to get out of here, man. All right, another day, another dollar. Scare money, don't make no money, guys. You're listening to the 24/7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. We appreciate you joining us. As always, make sure to subscribe to the show. Spotify, Apple is where you can find it, and wherever else you find your podcast. For Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins, for Producer Lance Glenn, I'm Cooper Patagna. See you tomorrow.